Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 125. Comfortable. We make the best of what we have. If this war of yours goes against us, we could lose everything. Wednesday said, you have already lost everything. I am offering you the chance to take something back. The fire blazed high as he spoke, illuminating, illuminating the faces of the audience. I don't really believe, Shadow thought. I don't believe any of this. Maybe I'm still 15, Mom's still alive, and I haven't even met Laura yet. Everything that's happened so far has been some kind of especially vivid dream. And yet, he could not believe that either. All we have to believe with is our senses, the tools we use to perceive the world, our sight, our touch, our memory. If they lie to us, then nothing can be trusted. And if we do not believe, then still we cannot travel into any other way than the road our senses show us. And we must walk that road to the end. Then the fire burned out, and there was darkness in Volshoff, Odin's Hall. Now what? whispered Shadow. Now we go back to the carousel room, muttered Mr. Nancy, and old One-Eye buys us all dinner, greases some palms, kisses some babies, and no one says the G-word anymore. G-word? Gods! What were you doing the day they handed out Brains Boy, anyway? Someone was telling a story about stealing a tiger's balls, and I had to stop and find out how it ended. Mr. Nancy chuckled. But nothing was resolved. Nobody agreed to anything. He's working them slowly. He'll land them one at a time. You'll see. They'll come around in the end. Shadow could feel that a wind was coming up from somewhere, stirring his hair, touching his face, pulling at him. They were standing in the room of the biggest carousel in the world, listening to the Emperor Waltz. There was a group of people, tourists by the look of them, talking with Wednesday over at the other side of the room, by the wall covered with all the wooden carousel horses. As many people as there had. And that's our page. The man with the booming voice is not named on the previous page or this page, so I'm not 100% certain who he is. Shadow drives a few people in the car in the next couple of pages, and I thought it might be Alphys, but I don't know that it's the same character. We don't get a great description on this page except for his voice, so... Anyhow, this unidentified man notes that he and his people get by with enough which is somewhat of a reflection of the discussion Wednesday and Chernobog had when Wednesday was first trying to recruit Chernobog to come with them on their mission slash war. The unidentified man also makes a good point, though. They've got a, at least a ceasefire, if not just the old gods completely are ignored by the new gods, but that if they bring war, then they could really get the attention of the new gods and lose everything. They're able to fly under the radar and survive, as they have already, but getting the attention of the new gods is possibly not the best choice that they could make. Wednesday claims, though, that the new gods have already taken everything, and that this will give them a chance to take something back. And this is where we want to start planting the seed that this is a war of ideologies as much as it is, I was going to say physical, metaphysical, whatever kind of war would occur between gods. It's definitely not a war in the more traditional sense, but at the same time, it is. It's, it's archetypal, maybe, or it's, it's some kind of idealized version of a war. It's, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, I guess, but consider that the war would be fought much in the same way as this conversation's happening. It's not going to be at level of understanding that a person like Shadow or people like you and me would be able to understand. They're gods, for God's sake. 
Shadow continues along trying to deny everything he's seen up to this point, but then realizes that he, if he can't trust his own eyes, ears, and other senses, then he can't trust anything. It's definitely a callback to Shadow being focused on the concrete of the world that he can grasp, and if he can grasp it, then he can understand it. And it's both a literal and figurative grasping. He's still trying to wrap his mind around the fact that there's not just a god, but multiple gods all existing in the same place at the same time. And it's really the first point we're seeing him relax this point of view within the novel. He's not been so he's not really been completely open with some of the crazy shit that's been happening up to this point. He's accepted, I think, that Laura's come back from the dead to a certain extent. But when he thinks of Zoria Pulishnaya bringing down the moon in the form of a Liberty Silver Dollar, he's much more resistant to that. Suddenly, everyone's back in the house on the rock, including the various people Shadow saw in Wednesday's hall. They seem to travel on a gust of wind, and then bang, back near the carousel again. The Emperor Waltz is another piece by Strauss, composed in 1889, and was written to be a toast by the Emperor of Austria, Franz Joseph I, as he was visiting German Emperor Wilhelm II. There were a lot of emperors pre-20th century, weren't there? Anyway, here's a clip. The Waltz was originally titled Hand in Hand, but Strauss's publisher noted that if he referenced it as just the Emperor's Waltz, either man could imagine the song was about him and thus keep Strauss from insulting one or the other. Given that we just had a meeting of the gods, I doubt this song is accidentally chosen on Neil's part. At the bottom of the page, I think it's funny that Shadow's first thought about the other gods are that they are tourists, or that they at least appear to be tourists. There's nothing on the page to mark them as such, nor are we given any real description as to how they look outside of their god body forms. But I I think it's maybe similar to how in Sandman, sometimes the Endless dress up in old-fashioned ways and look out of place, and I'm wondering if it's the same thing here. Perhaps they don't get out as much as they once did, and so they just look a little bit out of place. Although to look out of place in the house on the rock, it's just gotta be, that's gotta be something. If you look like a tourist in the house on the rock, wouldn't you look more traditionally touristy? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they have all got disposable Kodak cameras and oversized Hawaiian shirts. I don't I'm 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 struggling to grasp in my mind what a idealized version of a tourist looks like. Get in touch with the show at the world beyond the tail at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues which we use as our theme. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page and remember only the gods are real. <laughs>